Ivan, how you doing, man? Ty, good morning. Good morning. It's our quarterly chat. I'm super excited about this. Oh, wow. Are we up to quarterly? That's awesome. <laughs> I don't tell you that, but yeah, you, you, uh, I basically ping you once every three months. It's time for you to get back on. Well, dude, I appreciate it so much. Um, I've loved everything you've done for years now. And so it's an honor to be on the show, uh, and an honor to hear that it's turning into quarterly. That's right. Cool. Well, that's all I wanted to hear you say, so we can go ahead and hang up now. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Ty. You look great. We'll, yep. we'll talk soon. Well, man, we, we, uh, well, thank you for being on, uh, because you provide a great perspective on the hobby and we're going to cover a lot of things today in our short time. We're going to talk a little bit about the tops conference, which you were at last week, mm -hmm. right? Yep. In uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Tempe, sure. Glendale, somewhere. Yeah, well, we'll dig into that here in a second. We're going to cover a little bit about just the economy, how the it's blowing up, and how does that affect sports cards, your perspective on that. We'll talk a little bit about Twitter toxicity. Spell that. And then we're going to talk about some in products. Toxicity in the city? Toxicity in the city. And then we're going to talk a little bit about products, a few that uh, you're pretty excited about. One of them I cannot believe. I can't wait to get into Oh, oh yeah. How about that? I'm so hyped to up. talk about that. But first. <laughs> but first, let's a word let's talk. Let's talk you, life. yourself, your family. How are you doing? Everything good? No big news on the Ivan front. What should we know? Uh yeah, everything's good. Uh kids are kids are still kids. Um, wife is still still pregnant. Um, so we have a third kid on the way in June. Um, so and yeah, so I've actually been clearing out quite a bit of inventory just because uh ty you you saw a picture of my room without the background when you live bad. in an apartment in the middle of Very a bad. major major city everything ends up in the extra room so yeah so that's going on um which it has been fun but also challenging but yeah life life is good zero complaints um good deal know, make the most Did of every day our due date is the middle of june and this year's I national not going. is like there's zero days in August. It's like the last week of July this year. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be close. That would be, that would be close. Have you already had that conversation with, with the wifey? No, we start, we're actually doing a birthing class that starts this Sunday. So let me get a few weeks into that. And then I should know better <laughs> how to have that conversation. Cause that's the point of the class. Uh, there you go. <laughs> the point is to have tough conversations while she's pregnant. I like it. Why are you uh, in a birthing learn. class? You've had twins before. Uh, is, it, is this really what the listeners are into? <laughs> this may be cut. Um, well, so I can totally understand this, actually. Um, last time with twins, we weren't anticipating, like, because the, there was high risk. Um, so we weren't necessarily anticipating natural birth um and they ended up coming really early and so this time it's just about being a little more prepared it's it, it's about being a better husband in in the uh the room because i can tend to be a certain type of cheerleader and my wife may need a different type of cheerleader mm -hmm. um and honestly it's the least i can do to invest you know two hours a week for a few weeks into her and listening and learning better what what she needs so you said all the right things you checked all the boxes there i'm impressed i mean 
if you saw what she's made me for breakfast the last three mornings, she she actually took the week off work. You'd understand why. Uh, it's okay. She okay. put up with so much crap. I can imagine. In, anyone that is in the hobby, and a, a husband that's in the hobby, the wife is guaranteed to have to put up with crap. That's yeah. a given. Yeah. I mean, Amongst just we've family. got all this stuff. You yeah. know, we become stuff people. Uh Let's talk about the, the Tops Conference. So last week, uh, we covered a little bit in, on, on the Fly episode, just ancillary stuff that we were seeing. Give us your perspective on how it went, your expectations going in, and then kind of coming out of it. Summarize the event for us. Um, all right. So I don't really know that I had expectations going in. Um, okay. I try to be a blank, blank slate. Um, I did appreciate a lot the availability at that event that the tops executives and the incoming fanatics team gave to people like you could walk up and talk to them multiple times it was not like a crowd to talk to josh luber like you could make it happen um now at the same time one thing that i try to do at events like that especially because they are they're focused on the hobby shop owners and the distributors you know um these people just in order to run their businesses, spend millions of dollars a year with tops. So I try not to get up and say, Hey, my redemption for, for, you know, this, what happened to my Blake Bortles redemption that got replaced with a, a Malcolm Floyd and a Jarvis Landry. Like it's yeah. not really my place at those events. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there was lots of great conversations. Um, and I really, my first interaction with Josh Luber was getting into an elevator and you know he doesn't know me from from adam um, yes he does come on i i i really don't think so especially because i don't i'm like twice the man i was even six months ago <laughs> we talked about that i'm working on got back to the gym just yesterday after that last surge and i'm feeling good now so josh um, luber really inspired you this is good Keep yeah going. um i do i'm maybe i'm a sucker I know there's some some old diehards in the hobby that say nothing changes or everybody just cares about money. I believe Josh Luber loves trading cards. I believe he's passionate about them, and I believe he's grateful and has a lot of gratitude for the responsibility and the position that he has. Just from a, you know a personal conversation with him that wasn't you know like hey let's talk about this or that. It was just hearing him. And then also from a lot of what he projects in the public meetings and the the Q and A's. So that said, my biggest takeaway was reiterated multiple times. I was tweeting about it. You know, I'm sure everybody else was too. Is so much that fanatics is focused on data. Hmm. And you know, every hobby shop owner and breaker wants to know, like, how do I get a direct account or how do I how do I do this? They didn't explicitly state it. They talked about in the next month, a hobby shop program will be getting launched. And then after that, probably a breaker program. But they kept reiterating data and <clears throat> how Fanatics has data right now. You know, Fanatics knows that 90 million unique sports fans bought product from them last year. <clears throat> Yeah. Now, when I say product, I mean Fanatics product. Sure. Um, they know that the market could, like, that they can target this many more people than is currently going on. <clears throat> Sorry, I yeah. don't know why everything landed funny. 
And so their goal is like, do they want to produce more? I mean, I'm sure they do, but I don't think that they're jumping into this to like, oh, there's a cash cow. Let's just run the presses and make money. They're jumping into it because they see that companies have not been collecting data. And they think that with data, they can more properly balance the supply and demand. Um, you know, they can more properly balance uh, like how much is available versus how much is, is being chased. And they're putting money into growing the hobby. This was actually post-conference, but I'm sure you, you heard uh, Michael Rubin on Bill Simmons podcast this week. If you haven't listened to it, because he talks for about 40 minutes about sports cards. And he reiterates when they came in and looked at the company, Tops was spending less than 1% of revenue on marketing. Yep. Which we and, all knew, right? We didn't know the number, but we all knew they weren't spending on any money on marketing. I mean, we, you could you could assume from what from what you saw or didn't see, but like things <laughs> like you know, our athletes talking about cards, our influencers talking about cards. And on the podcast, he says, you know, like there's only five or six influencers in the space and not talking about hobby influencers like Ty, um, but talking about like cultural influencers like Logan Paul, Gary V. And he said it not in a way of like, oh, we need more Gary V. He said it in the way of like, no, we need Tom Brady talking about yeah. his sports cards. Yeah. We need Michael Jordan talking about his sports cards. We need Jay-Z talking about his sports cards. There's such a broader audience to reach. And so I think that that was a big part of what Luber was reiterating was like they want hobby shops to share data back and forth with them. And they'll share it back with them, too. He, he used an example of Kellogg's and Target. He's like, you know, Kellogg's shares all their data with Target. And Target shares all their data back with Kellogg's on how many boxes of cereal, who's buying them, etc. And that's how they know how much to make. And he, at one point on day two, he mentioned like reducing volatility in the hobby is one of their goals. Mm -hmm. Letting hobby shops and breakers have a clearer idea of what to expect for the year ahead is one of their goals. So all of that really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there was, you know, a lot of, there was redemption talk, um, you know, and, and something that I also feel gets lost. I'm just going to say this cause you know, I can be a positivity guy in the hobby, you know, it's like they post, you post one thing on social media and it gets 20 responses of why not this, why not this? But then something else I posted, one of the questions at the Q and a was, Hey, have you noticed that the redemption scratch offs are terrible lately? And Kevin, uh, Kevin O'Neill, I believe, or mm -hmm. no, it was David Liner. David Liner, okay. the pre president of Tops, said, yeah, I've experienced that. I've been on the phone with customer service. We know it's terrible. We're fixing it. That's unacceptable. And nobody comments on that on social media. Yeah. Like, Tops saying, hey, we made a mistake. We're fixing well, it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so. Um, That's no fun to talk about the good things, Ivan. You know that. We'll get, yeah. we'll get to that here in a second with the toxicity. But yeah, that's, that's a really good point. When when you hear when you hear them talking about hey we're going to make decisions based on data, do you think that's they're saying it because they realize like data is the only answer to this, or do you think do you think like hobby shops and consumers are saying hey you need to make better decisions on data? Like wh why do you think they're saying that? Is it because fanatics has 
driven their business based on data and it's worked. I guess I'm trying to figure out, okay, is Fanatics coming in and Luber coming in saying, hey, we're going to be a data-driven company? Uh, why? Yeah. Well, I feel like that's... Keep in mind, when we when we first heard Fanatics getting the licenses, yeah. how many people actually thought they wanted to create a manufacturing plant, create a new brand? For sure. Do all that. We all knew that they wanted to acquire somebody, right? It made sense. Their thing is spotting inefficiencies, almost like Warren Buffett with Berkshire. Yep. You know, it's spotting inefficiencies in companies and erasing the inefficiencies to make them better. Like, you're not going to find just straight arbitrage on the market because everybody's looking every single day for that. Yeah. So, I think that the reason for the focus on data is top sold a million cases in 2021. Who did we sell them to? We don't know. <laughs> the, the, conjecture by me you know emphasis by me but like if you ran a business and you saw that you'd say wow huge inefficiency how do we facebook target people better you know beyond just cookies of they visited our website how do we target people to grow this well if we find out specifically that you know people jump into this hobby at this point with this money with this you know in these demographics or you know in this way we can target them, especially because there's also a lot of talk of diversity in the hobby. Um, there was an entire uh, session on that, which was great. It wasn't preaching. It was like, this is one of the ways to grow the hobby. So if fanatics can better pinpoint, you know, what makes women collectors and better serve growing new women collectors, that's, I mean, what a it's huge early. market right there, right? Yep. Like what percentage of the U.S. population is women right now? Ty, I expect you to know this off. 54%. Okay. 54%. You heard it here first. I don't actually know. But so if we look at traditional, what I'd say just from a few different sessions I've been in is maybe 4 to 6% of the hobby right now is women, while 54% of America is women. Well, if we simply double the amount of women collectors through good marketing and through, you know, better acceptance and feeling better on social media and in break rooms and things like that, through learning like Tops provided us at this event, if six, if the hobby grew by 6% this year, how would that impact everybody's bottom line and everybody's enjoyability and everybody's access to product? Yeah. No, I, those are great points. And what I love about what they're doing is the data helps them with the inefficiencies on the front end, make better decisions, plan out the supply, you know, demand issues that they're facing. Now they could have had that better plan. And on the back end, they realize there is a gap. There is a huge miss with influencers outside of the hobby, actually driving interest in, in what we do. Mm -hmm. All that comes together and it creates a, I think it, it fills the void of what we all know exists. And so I appreciate them at least identifying it. It's yeah. I'm, I'm super glad. Well, I'm sure they're super glad that they were able to acquire tops so quickly because it'll allow them to accelerate a lot of what they're doing as opposed to waiting two more years, you know, yeah. which is interesting. Cause that gets back to, uh, I didn't know if we were going to debate what we talked about last time. Um, but I was on the side of the hobby can keep growing and you were on the side of, but pop reports are going to catch up to it. And I feel like the acquisition process has done a little bit of stunting that growth that I was advocating for, but yeah. it's still in the vision. 
So you win this round, Ty. But yeah, it's pretty clear that I won that round. The pop reports destroyed prices, but that's on some there. On some things, very true. Very I true. saw a card ladder on their story just yesterday. Uh, I'm going to get the all stats or estimates here on Breaker Culture that Ivan shares. Ties are accurate. Ivan's yes, are, of course. Card ladder shared something to the effect of like high end cards are up 34% in the past year. So the ones that are harder to get are up. While if you're sitting on a whole bunch of Lucas and Zion's also, let's be honest, how have Luca and Zion been playing? There's always yeah. player risk. Nobody wants to talk about that. How's Wander Franco going to play this year? Is he going to play uh, exactly. like a dollar rookie card? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I would point to one very clear reason on why high end has accelerated and kind of widen the gap. And that is, collectible rally fractional ownership. I'd, I'd be really curious to know. There's probably an easy way to do this. Let's look at what the prices have done with like singular markets, no fractional ownership and see if prices on those markets have been stable uh, or if, I don't know. I don't know well, not a good way of doing that because it, it one affects the other. Collectible CEO Ezra Levine will be on my show, Go GTS Live, yeah. tonight at 6 p.m. Uh, this will probably air after that, but uh, make sure you check out Go GTS Live on YouTube for that interview with Ezra Levine of Collectible, where I put Ty's questions to the chief. That's right. Ezra's a good dude, man. Big fan of Ezra. Um, I actually need to ask him why my Michael Jordan fractional shares aren't worth more. <laughs> like, wait a minute. I thought. The high end was going up. Why are my Michael Jordan yeah. rookie card he, shares not? He's like, you idiot. You you paid 20% higher than the peak, goofball. I don't mind. It's fun to be able to say I own $100 of a Michael Jordan rookie card. I'm with you. I'm at, uh, I was just looking the other day. I have like $4,000 in fractional ownership on collectible oh. and, and it's up or it's, it's down 500 bucks. So it's down like 10% All in right. the last six months. But You can call uh, the show tonight. I might call in, yeah, just to complain about that. <laughs> you promised. How did they, and this is probably what I tried to reconcile most through social media and the fragments that I was picking up. How are they reconciling supply issues with this constant idea of, hey, we want to grow hobby shops by 10x. We want to add 10x breakers. I kept hearing this 10x multiplier, but we can't get the product and we're trying to solve for that. What's how do we fix that? What is their kind of solution to that right now? Cause I think it's a real problem. And I think it's going to continue to be a real problem. Um, are you talking about on the manufacturing side or yep. on, yep. it feels like there's a lot of product. Well, on the manufacturing side, I mean, look, we we're entering what we're, we're starting seasons now and half of product releases aren't even hitting the streets yet with the old season. It's like, okay, so what's yeah, going on so here? So they did mention supply chain. Um, they talked about, um, one, they didn't comment on any competitors. They only talked tops. The very deliberate, like they said, you know, like we're not here to talk about that. Um, they did mention some of the 2021 tops products are stuck in supply chain issues. Um, but Luber actually said, and he, he has an incredible the logistics guy that is handling the integration of fanatics and tops worked for i want to say standard oil or national oil 
like or steel ran one of the biggest american like basically logistics programs for a few years so um his name is jeff gordon and i got to meet him really nice guy has a great mustache uh and is in an, into entertainment cards as well so that zero cool announcement was pretty cool for being zero cool um so all that to say they acknowledged that and they said from their 20 30 40 000 foot view whichever corporate buzzword we're looking to use um that they know that the supply chain issues will go away we're not there yet but they will go away and i mean we got top series one on time this year so how much when it comes to baseball at least because that's all we can comment on here on their side like what are we really missing from 2021 are, are you really dying for big league ty Oh no, look, I, I'm all for let's let's cut back on certain products. So if that's what it requires, like if that's what leads to us reducing the number of products, I'm all for it. But it can't be, hey, we can print the snot out of a flagship product, but we can't print other these three products because or we have to cut. I mean, I've been allocated 30, 40, 60 percent on products. That uh it's not cool, man. I don't know. That I, the whole like, hey, it will just go away. Come on. Look at the world right now. Supply chain issues aren't just going away. But to I, your point, data, data solves a lot of these problems. Data you know, solves a lot of these problems. And I will, I will say the interesting thing to me, and again, this is a point that a lot of people got angry about and wanted to argue, um, is that uh, David Liner at top said Series 1 is underproduced for demand this year and i see you i see you smiling for those of you that are listening not i hit mute and of is course trying not they're to gonna say one. that what do, what do you what do you think they're gonna say here's the thing find me a hobby box for under 100 bucks right now find it to me i'll buy it sell me a hobby box for 90 bucks please twitter.com slash at watch the breaks you could say that about Nearly every product. But, uh, flagship. The one that everybody's saying is overproduced, massively overproduced. Find it for me for $90 a box. It's not a, that's not a fair ask, though. You're within two weeks of release. Why is Come that back in six ask? months. It's so crazy overproduced. Last year's, last year's you can't find for 90 You can find it for like 93 94 This year, there's a much bigger chase than any of the products last year. And... You know, again, maybe if Wander sucks, you'll see it. But right now, if Wander is what the hobby wants Wander to be, it's I, I can see the point of it being, quote unquote, underproduced due to demand compared to the fact that Tops wants it available for collectors to be a grow the hobby product. So you're yeah. you're going to judge how much a product should or shouldn't have been produced based on what the market is pricing it at? based on what the market will bear, because we know that there's people out there that got those boxes, distributors, micro distributors, mega hobby shops with huge allocations. Like if they're not, if they're not trying to make money on it at $90 a box, which we know they can. Right. I mean, it, I'm not saying I know, cause I've seen any, like what they pay for it, but I'm just like, we all know at one point this gets to my cool, cool product. We're, we're going to run out of time. We always run out of time. The coolest box in the hobby right now costs less than $100. The best cards in the hobby right now cost less than $100 to the consumer. 
So you know flagship costs way less than that. You know that there's people out there that could lower the prices on it, but aren't having to because they're still selling enough on a daily basis that they don't have to drop the price to 90. So yes, I do believe that the market tells us what's overproduced and underproduced in a certain measure. Yeah, see, I, I would disagree with that because especially in a, in a world like this where we know Tops is dripping the product out slowly through different channels, right? And, and the controlling the demand, if you will, they know the supply is insane. We already, people run the print runs. I mean, the, the print runs are just astronomical. They're three to four X, our closest flagship product. Uh, so to say like that's not overprinted, we, we could easily yeah, go back and, and argue 18, 19 prison basketball. So if the market will bear it, what, what were you going to say about 18, 19 prison basketball? Well, I mean, we're already seeing like what we thought at the time and it's, it's completely collapsed in prices still very expensive. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Relative to what it cost. So is it overproduced? Did some yeah. people overpay for it at a certain point? Maybe, but I don't know that it's overproduced. Anybody yeah, I know, I don't, know. I don't, I don't think the barometer of producing, overproducing or underproducing should be, it's, it needs to be sitting in the shelves at all, all times. Like, if it's not sitting on the shelves, it was underproduced. It's like, well, I don't know. I'm I don't want an oversaturated market. There's something to the argument. And again, when does a market get oversaturated? You know what else they said was overproduced? What's the most overproduced product of all time? 89 Flare. Uh, probably 89 clear, but 89 upper deck. That's what they always say. Oh, they ran the print. They ran the presses. You know, they, they kept running the presses. They printed more and more of those Griffies than, you know, this documentary yeah. told me, blah, blah, blah. Find me a PSA graded Ken Griffey Jr. 1989 upper deck card in an eight or a nine for under a hundred bucks. The it demand doesn't mean it's under. But it's because the demand for the Ken Griffey Jr. is that high still today. The demand for a high-grade Ken Griffey Jr. is still in demand. You can't okay. give away a PSA 7 or 6. Yeah, you can. So 50 bucks. 55 bucks is the <laughs> cheapest. The cheapest PSA-graded one on eBay is 55, 50 bucks for a PSA 5. I found one with free shipping. That's, bye, bye, bye. Uh, I'm thinking about it right now. Fact, I will. I've never owned one. Look at you. You just bought mine. Well done. You're wax king junk. You're you are junk wax king, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, eBay seller junk wax king. Enjoy That's the right. Well, on breaker culture. I would love to know your thoughts. Whoever's watching. Uh, Thank you for watching. If you are. How do you judge overprinting, underprinting? What's the barometer of your own that you use? Because, uh, yeah, they're going to be using data. They're going to be figuring out how much to print. They're going to be moving those levers. It's going to be very interesting. Let's, let's, let's move into the whole economy. It's a touchy subject. We're not going to get political at all. But it is, I mean, we're talking about crazy, crazy inflation now. Gas prices up 60% year over year. At what point do we start to see this really seep into hobby demand and a decrease in demand? So I, I don't know that we do. Call me Hollywood. 
Call me, uh, you know, just drive an electric car and you won't have to worry about gas prices, right? Call me, call me political or the White House. No, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I just think that it's, it's like the lobster boiling in water. I think humans are this way. I've, I've said this about economics for, uh, about raising the minimum wage. You know, you raise the minimum wage and it just means that the McDonald's in LA charges a dollar more for your six piece chicken nuggets. Like they pass it on to the consumer. Cost of living goes up as you raise all of those things. So I think that we just, generally speaking, maybe I'm out of touch. You know, I'm not trying to speak down to anybody if this is really impacting your, your bottom line or your, your lifestyle. Um, but I think the people that have been spending money on cards will continue to. The people that haven't will continue not to. And the people that pick up a blaster here or there when they can I know there's nothing on the shelves. I haven't seen product in two years. Well, it's live on eBay right now. It's live on uh, Walmart. It's live on Target. Like you can get cards to rip if you want. You know, opening day was on tops at forty dollars for six hours, seven hours the other day. You know, use Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. And you'll find you'll find cards. Then it becomes, well, those aren't the cards I want. Okay, well, that's a different story. Maybe they need to print more of the cards you want, but Ty doesn't want them to print more. Uh, what are we going to do? I don't know. So I'm not worried about the economy when it comes to cards, mainly because the way I see... I, I've just never put much stock in the economy. It's why it's not even a political question for me. I, I mean, Biden, Trump, Obama... They're not setting the gas price. Politics is impacted the most at your local government level. So if you can't tell me who your city council members are, I'm not going to talk politics with you. Um, okay. So your assumption is that the average collector then has unlimited discretionary spending. No, not, un funds. not unlimited, but I'm saying that the ratios of their spending continue the same way. So I, I have a video coming out later today. And it talks about what a 60% gas price increase actually does to the average American and how that moves in the hobby. Average American has to spend about $1,600 more a year, going from 270 to 420. I know for you in California, it's like you know 18 bucks a gallon, but that's it's 1500 bucks, it's $110 a month as of today. But what we don't think about is everything else increases as well. Eventually, USPS, FedEx, they have to raise their prices too, right? Supplies becomes more expensive. It just, it's balloons. You don't think that starts to squeeze the amount of money people have to spend in cards because you think the average spender and the hobby doesn't think about that stuff. That's what I'm hearing. A little bit. Um, combined with multiple challenges to your data and assumptions, and I'm looking forward to the video and I will share it on social later. Um, maybe traditionally my gas, my, my gas spend versus last year would go up, but how much more am I ordering at home now in this new environment? How much more am I staying home instead of doing some of the discretionary driving that I would do otherwise? I mean, I know you're driving to the slopes every day, right? Sorry, Ty. I that was a little more personal, I feel like, than I meant it to be. It's supposed to be funny and ingest. Um, it was good. I like it. It's a four-mile drive for me. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so four miles each way, you know, every day, plus the ski lifts, you know, do those run on gas? I don't know. Um, 
so I see your your point to a certain point, but the other thing to consider is, well, are we going from if I buy these cards, I'm making 4x to these costs are changing. So now I'm only making 2x, but I'm still profiting. I mean, a ton of people are profiting a ton of money in the card industry. Is it just that that margin gets squeezed a little by these additional costs coming up? You know, just like when the US uh, when the USPS raises their prices every four months anyways. Like, well, if we're still making money in cards, is that contingent of the hobby continuing to drive it? Is that offsetting it? So there's just so many, there's so many variables that I don't like. It's like when people tell ask me in my in my day job, well. How is war going to impact this? How is this new piece of legislation going to impact the market? And it's like, there's no one thing. Like there's, there's no one thing that does that. Yeah. You know, there's so many different variables at all times. The amount of times that I have somebody message me and say, well, wait, after this, you know, I thought that this was going to go this way after this earnings call. Well, yeah, so did everybody else. That's why it went the opposite way. <laughs> Because if everybody's buying, you know, yep. price price does this. If everybody's selling because they think that after the earnings call, you're going to be taking profits. Well, guess what? If everybody starts selling, the price goes down. So, yeah, what you think is what everybody thinks. And there's just too many factors for, you know, for my opinion. Well, I would, I would say what you think is probably what everybody thinks. What I think is probably not the popular opinion. Uh, yeah. And in, in this in this conversation, I think um, I'll bet you not. I'll bet you in the comments, people are saying, "Oh yeah, absolutely, inflation's killing me. I'm buying less sports cards." I'll bet you everybody will say that. Okay, well, but I, guess I also to your illustration, then the lobsters in there boiling at a, at a certain point. At some point, the lobster dies. Yeah. What What is the tipping point? And I'm not asking you to answer that question. There's no you don't know. Nobody knows that answer. Well, this is the same thing as global warming. Oh, we're getting real political on today's show. This is not the same thing as global warming. No, inflation <laughs> inflation is the same thing as global warming. Is it only going to go one direction? Or are there other market factors? You know, is is 20 months the amount of time that the hobby can take before it boils? Or will inflation reverse in 12 months? Or is 200 months the amount of time the hobby can take and inflation reverse in 100 months? Or is 200 months the amount of time the hobby can take and inflation goes 201 months and the lobster dies. I just, I don't know. It's a good question. Definitely a good question. I just have zero idea because it's so complex. Um, and it's the same thing with global. Like, well, yeah, obviously the glow, we can't afford temperatures to raise one degree every year, right? The question is, are they raising every year? Or are they going up some years? Are they going down some years, right? We just, it's too complex for me. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's too complex for me too. But at the end of the day, I know that I have to spend another $1,500 in gas on my car every year. Uh, and now it's $150 extra a month. That's just because it, skiing is more important to you than cards. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> I wish it was. Uh, so I'd be curious to know what people think. I think it actually starts to impact people quicker than we think, especially if gas prices continue to rise. I mean, they're not going to keep rising at these rates. There's no way. Right? Exactly. That's the exact thing. Is like, yeah, okay. I mean, Ty, call me up when gas is ten dollars a gallon, and yeah, maybe I'll have to reverse my stance. But who can predict ten dollar a gallon gas, right? So the question is, how long will it rise? How long can we bear? It's complex. 
Okay. We'll leave it at that. Make more money by buying cards and selling them. <laughs> if only it was that easy, right? We'll give you a product here in a second. You should go buy. Okay, let's talk a little bit about, we only have a few minutes left, toxicity in the hobby. Specifically on social media, you are the guy on Twitter. I feel like you would people would point to you as the face of the hobby on Twitter. I've said that for years. I still believe that. Thank you, Ty. What do you... How do you coach people on just avoiding the toxicity that exists? It bubbles up. It cycles through. People get annoyed. There's just a lot of frustrating, annoying people on Twitter and social media, period. But what's your advice to people to just kind of avoid that and not be a toxic force in the hobby? So my first advice is, hey, it'll happen to all of us. Uh, I messaged a friend the other day, one-on-one message, because I was like, man, this is just getting at me. This thing is getting at me. Yeah. Um, the Twitter, Facebook, I mean, first off, <laughs> kudos to you for being on Twitter and not Facebook. You want to talk about a cesspool? Oh, I bet. Oh, man. Uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook group admins are the worst. You know, it's like, you didn't coin this pick. Coining is dumb. <laughs> You really think that I'm on here trying to scam you by showing you a card I'm not even selling, but I didn't coin it? My goodness. Get over I don't even know what that means. You know, right? Good. It's uh I think it's like child abuse on a card when you hit it with a coin and you heat up a I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Not every joke works. See? (laughs) Okay. See? Like this is this is and so this is what happens. So people make mistakes too. Keep in yeah. mind, some and sometimes it's like the rage or the outrage or the, the fighting is over something that somebody actually did wrong. You know, do we ever forgive people for doing things wrong? So I think a, a big part of dealing with what you may perceive as toxicity is, first off, uh, mute me. Twitter, if you're on Twitter, they have a button called mute. Mute accounts, mute words, mute things that you don't want to see. Um, I'm very much a person who likes seeing different opinions. I don't block people for disagreeing with me. I don't yep. block people for calling me out. Um, in fact, most of the times, if I disagree with somebody, I'll give them a follow. But there is a line between that and bullying. There's a line between yep. you know disagreeing and being a, a vampire. If you ever heard that term, like an energy vampire, you yep. suck people's energy. Yep. And so for your own mental health, absolutely curate your feed, curate what you want to see. Just like if you go into a, you know, people say, well, man, I only collect vintage. I hate all this modern stuff. I hate what the hobbies become. No, just go to the vintage tables. There are plenty of them. Follow mm-hmm. the vintage collectors. There's plenty of them. You know, um, I, I don't like this sport. I'm sick of seeing F1 on my timeline. Great. Just mute F1. I've bought tons of stuff that's not F1. I've talked about tons of stuff that's not F1. You know, just mute it first off. So, so create your own filter system for toxicity for your own good. Um, now where ego comes in, where feelings come in one, that's a good reminder that we're humans, you know, like it's, it's good to remember that, that we're people, uh, you know, I'm, I think that anybody in the hobby should be a person, you know, I'm, I'm glad, Ty, that you run a podcast and your your name and face are out there to like say, yeah, breaker culture. I believe in the brand, but like, yeah, and you're Ty. If I meet you at the National, I can enjoy. I can say, here's how much I love your content. Here's how much I love your Bowman pricing ladders. 
man, I love those. Those I were good was, back in the day. It was a ton of work, but they were so good because they captured moments in time too that you can go back to and reference. Um, sorry if that's a sad spot at all that it wasn't something you could keep on keep on doing. No, it's okay. I just want you to know how much I appreciate like everything that you've done and built and things. And I can do that because Ty, you're you. But I can also hold you accountable because you're you. Makes a huge difference hmm. in the hobby. Um, in a hobby built on trust. Um, so I would say use the mute button. Have friends you can trust. You know, like one, my DMs are always open. And I, I say DMs are always private. You know, like I get industry information that I can't share in DMs. And I get, you know, like thoughts on conflict, you know, like people have sent me like, I don't know how I feel about this. You know, should I do this? Should I not do this? You know, when it comes to like ethical things, even, you know, have some people you can trust because it's easy to get sucked in. You know, it's easy to start cutting corners in this hobby. Yep. Um, but as far as like, you know, like, I, I don't know. What, what do you mean by toxicity? Like, what's what's the real what's the real trigger here? Those are my general things. But is there something specific I can tell you about? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a lot to be learned about someone like you who has hung around social media and has not let it get to him. Obviously, it does get to you at certain points. I just want to remind people that you can avoid the toxicity that does suck the life out of you and your enjoyment for the hobby. And one of those ways is, is very practical, and that is filter. That's a, that's a great piece of advice. I don't do that enough. Filter out people, filter out things. But I think it's also, it requires a little bit of a mindset shift too. Like it's one thing to point at the toxicity in the hobby and not be the rebuttal to that, you know, be a positive reinforcement, be a, uh, a light, if you will. So, so yeah, here's, here's the problem is humans are wired one way. Yeah. Uh, I just saw this great example today. I've always used the traffic's traffic in LA example. Yeah. Like you pass a hundred nice people, but you don't know because nobody says hi in their car. And then one idiot's trying to turn left, you know, at a no left turn at 9 a.m. because traffic goes that way. And it ruins a hundred other people, a hundred people going through that intersection each way say, man, drivers suck because of one person's negative action. Um, I read a story just this morning. Didn't know this was going to come up in the podcast. Albert Einstein uh, was teaching and he went into his class and he wrote on a chalkboard nine times one equals nine, nine times two equals 18, went all the way down the, the multiplication table and then wrote nine times 10 equals 91. Everybody said, wait, wait, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. And he said, yes, this is not about doing it right. This was about noticing that no one congratulated me on the nine times that I got it correct. And the minute there's a mistake, everybody wants to chime in and mention it's a mistake. So keep that in mind when you're doing action is that you can't get that. <laughs> you can't mess up if you don't do it first off. So take action. And second off, you know, be able to filter out that people are wired to point out the negative. It's, it's like I said, with the tops thing. You know, people want to jump on the underproduced, uh, overproduced argument and totally ignore all the all the positive things they said. You know, I'm not saying that that means we need to be just positive, but do keep in mind, are you spending 90 percent of your time 
calling people out and focusing yep. on that? Or are you at least balancing it with, Hey, show me your, you know, your really cool cards or, I, you know, and I'll, actually I'm kind of sick of all those show me or this threads. Cause those are just influencer, you know, like <laughs> yeah, engagement portals, but yep. like, you know, like you nailed it, like go find some, you know, yep. here, here's the thing. Ugh. Ty, I post some of the weirdest, crappiest cards that I collect and they get very little engagement on my page. Nobody retweets when I pick up a new LAFC soccer card. Nobody. Yeah. And then people say, Ivan, you're just in it for the money. You're just here to flip and blah. It's like, no, you just don't make my my PC pickups go viral. You know? Yeah. It goes yeah. viral when I hit a kaboom from a from a panini <laughs> box. It doesn't go viral when I add a new Diego Rossi or when I rip an MLS Sapphire and I get two LAFC rookies and no big hits. Like, you know, so you have to actually look a little bit for that. Seek the cards you want. Seek the content you want. Put in that little bit of work. And just like exercise, it'll actually make you feel better. There you go. Well, for the sake of your algorithms and your social media growth, someone go like his crappy post about F1, okay? For the love. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kidding. Crappy. No, but to your point, I remember... Uh, you talking about F one or F one's the biggest hits I got, man. Oh, that's that's money card. There you go. Ooh, nice silver. Uh, in a marriage class, and, and the this guy was talking about uh, how just to to avoid negativity in your marriage. And one of the things he he said to couples was that the easiest way to stop being so negative is try to be four times more positive. Hmm. And once you do that, like the mentality shift alone will automatically squeeze out the negativity in your thoughts and your your words. You know. You want yeah. to say something negative? That's great. Try to be, try to come up with four more things positive to say before you do that. And the negative thing doesn't seem that, that cool anymore. Exactly. Same thing in the hobby. I think it's a good reminder that, hey, find somebody you like. Tell them how much you like them. Find a cool card that maybe no one else likes, like it. Not because of the social media aspect of it, because that will change your own mentality, like you just said. Yeah. Going and letting someone else know that, that I had the funniest thing. There, there was a collector a few years back who, message me and is like you know what i don't know like it's just so frustrating man I, I posted this thing and 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 nobody liked and engaged with it and and i said man i'm sorry like yeah that's a cool thing and uh, it was actually it was a it was a birth announcement this was maybe four years ago three years ago yeah well last year i said dude you know i'm here i'm here whatever you need whenever you need you know if you need encouragement if you have something cool to show let me know and a year and a half later, two years later, um, it was either last year or, or the end of 2020, had another kid. And that tweet got like 50 retweets, 100 replies, 100 likes. And uh, I, I sent him a message in the DMs and I said, man, isn't this great? Like, you know, you stuck with it. You, you stayed positive And yeah. now you've got a lot of friends in the hobby. Yeah. So, well, I, I didn't want to come across as 12-year-old girls talking about getting more likes and stuff that was not the intent for sure so i apologize if yeah. that's what people are, are hearing in it it's more of how do you control your own emotions and enjoyment well, of the hobby here, here is the thing though and we have I three really minutes wanna, i, I want to show off these cards yes. yeah but but here's the thing i want to show off these cards right we go to the national with our big briefcases we want to show them off so when you say likes it's not about like uh, there is a yeah. aspect of the hobby that is social I'd say a huge aspect. The hobby is the people. It's about the community. 
I'm on here because I like you, Ty. I have fun talking to you. Um, you know, any viewers on here in the comments, say hi. Like, I want to talk to you. I want to talk about cards. So I don't think that saying like, like using likes as a metric is a bad thing. Because let's be honest, it's part of why we're here. If you are solely here to collect and not talk to anybody about it, not show it to anybody ever. Yeah. I kind of want you to reach out to me too. Cause I want to see what you have. Cause it's probably super awesome. Yeah. I want to appreciate sure. it. Um, Tell me about this product before, before I let you go. I know you have to get out of here. I'm well, showing it right now. The main thing is uh, like, it's, it's, it's less about Scottish premier league is going to pop off or anything like that. Scottish premiership football league. Like it's too complicated anyways. There yeah. are some rookies in here that may be cool, but I, I have a tendency to just buy a little bit of everything to experiment with it. And if you have less than a hundred dollars and just want to experience something really unique and then give Ty and I your feedback, um, I don't know what tops did. These were printed in Italy, which was where they also printed the F1 Chrome last year that were just terrible quality control. If you remember, yep. these are Chrome cards and it is thick and firm. It's almost got like the museum Pardon? sheen on it. Yes, it's thick and firm right now, Ty. Okay. And this was one of the best card quality rips that I have done was I ripped a box of these yesterday. And I'm just stunned. And so the reason that I'm telling people like buy it is mainly because it's like see what see what in today can still be produced in a box that's sold for less than a hundred dollars. Yeah. And like if, if I had gotten this two weeks ago, that would have been my question at the tops conference for, for Josh, for Jeff, for Kevin, for David, for every single one of them is how do we get products of this quality? Look at that. No bend in the, in the thing. And I don't know if you can see it, but man, it's like, it's not thicker, like 75 point, but there's some thickness or firmness to this Chrome that I've never seen on another Topps brand. And aside from a very few print lines on some of the parallels, uh, these were the best quality, sharpest corners, best centering that I've seen on a Topps product in years. And it's this little 70 pound British product <laughs> that's made in Italy. Well, so I'm just talking about it because I just want, I, I want quality products. I want good cards. I got joy from ripping this box, even though I don't know any of the players and I had to go on Twitter and ask some UK collectors like, who are the good hits? <laughs> but it was fun. So that's my well, hobby like, in a nutshell. I like it. It's on Tops UK, which a normal American dude can buy, right? Uh, yeah, just have to create an account for UK. Okay. Yep. So you can do it. It's available. The link I'll put in the show notes. I'm grabbing two boxes right now just because I want to experience this. The greatest product you've ever opened, Ivan. I want to experience it myself. Just from a quality standpoint. So Ty, hit me up on Twitter after you do and let me know what you think of these cards. Am I, am I crazy? Is my depth perception off? Well, we know you're crazy. I know. I shouldn't ask questions. I already know the answer to. Very true. On that note, it's been real. It's been really nice having you, man. Hey, Ty, it's been fun. Thank you, man. It's, it's like I said, it's an honor that I'm now recurring, and it's a pleasure every <laughs> single time. So We always get in a fight, and that's the best part about it. We still love each other. <laughs> All right, brother. Have a good week. Exactly. All right, man. See ya.